and I say, you finally did it, didn't you? You finally blew the whole thing up. Taylor is not swearing here. He is literally calling on God to damn the people who did this. Oscar-winning Hollywood legend Charlton Heston. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Wow, what can you say about Charlton Heston? What are the one of the greatest actors of our time. I have loved Charlton Heston since I was a little kid. All the movies, Ben-Hur, El Cid, Ten Commandments, all the way on up to Planet of the Apes, Earthquake. All the movies, Charlton Heston is in uh, Soylent Green. I'm just, Soylent Green is people. Uh, he won an Oscar in 1959 for Ben-Hur. I met Charlton Heston in the fall of 1995, when he'd written an autobiography called In the Arena. And in the interview you're about to hear, he tells an interesting story about where that title comes from. Very unusual story about that. But about also he talks about Earthquake and Planet of the Apes and Ben-Hur. Well, let's listen. My 1995 interview with Charlton Heston. It seems to me that you must be almost surprised yourself at some of the extraordinary turns your life has taken over the years. You know what struck... Two things writing a biography tells you, an autobiography. One, your life is not quite the way you remember it. I think we all tend to edit our lives as we go along uh, from an understandable desire to think well of ourselves. If we uh, have a... uh, long encounter with uh, this woman or that woman and it turns out badly uh, people tend to think I knew that from the beginning I knew we shouldn't have done that and you probably thought it was a great idea in the beginning of course that end of my life I got worked out ideally I married the first girl I ever had a date with and we're now 51 years into it that is I have to tell you that is one of the most moving stories in this whole book Oh, the wooing of Lydia? The wooing of Lydia. (laughs) I read that out loud to a close friend of mine, and it was such... nice to hear. That was such a moving passage. Oh, thank you, thank you. I appreciate that. You were saying you read it out loud. Several people have said, anyone who has ever talked to you would know that you wrote this book because your voice is so evident on the printed page. And I suppose... Why I write that way is for 45 years, my whole career, I've spent a good part of time reworking dialogue in plays and movie scripts uh, from Shakespeare to Eugene O'Neill and uh, Jerry Seinfeld. (laughs) 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 But uh, the, uh, so it's, that's the way I wrote it. I wrote it, I, I I don't trust dictating, so I, I didn't don't, don't mean I tape recorded it. I wrote it on a computer, but uh, I I would often read it aloud to myself or to my wife, a, a paragraph that seemed to work or not to work. And uh, I'm glad to hear that for you it worked. She uh, she passed her, her she gave her okay to the passage about her. Oh yes, she. <laughs> I think she was. I think she was quite touched by it actually. <laughs> It was oh, it was quite a story. And, and now I'll tell you to skip ahead uh, to another passage that uh, that I read aloud to a friend of mine uh, that, that she thoroughly enjoyed uh, was uh, when you were telling in in uh, uh, in earthquake when you had to choose between Ava Gardner and Genevieve Bujold and were thinking, <laughs> well, which <laughs> which will he choose? Well, really, uh, it seemed to me obvious. Uh, I have died violently, and I guess about 
13 films and the audience is getting used to that <laughs> maybe they are glad to see it happen but the studio was horrified at the idea that I was going to die at the end of the picture and they said oh no you have to I said come on fellas this let's let's not have this a movie about the good young architect who's the only guy that knows that the earthquake is going to happen and he his mean wife is killed and he saves his nice mistress and they go off and rebuild Los Angeles that's ridiculous that's exactly what the audience is expecting I said let's surprise them and so instead of course I die in earthquake trying futilely to save my mean wife i had so much fun reading the stories from all the movies that we've come to know and love oh, over the yes. years uh, i i was curious about one thing so many people that i've told that you were coming in today they were very impressed that i had an interview uh, with you today but then they also said oh ben-hur and it occurred to me all the movies that you've done since ben-hur well to still be known for ben-hur ben-hur and ten commandments yes and the reason yes. for that is twofold in the first place, um, making movies has gotten so expensive that to make an epic is impossible. I mean, you, you couldn't make it for what they blew on Waterworld. Uh, you really couldn't. It's, you cannot make epics anymore. Never again, Spartacus, uh, Bridge in the River Kwai, Lawrence of Arabia, Ben-Hur, none of those. Uh, and in the case of Ben-Hur and Ten Commandments, they play every year, twice a year, both of them. On television now that's not an adequate way to see the movies I'm afraid uh, but uh, they do see them so the pictures are the films are still in everyone's mind and little kids that uh, whose parents weren't allowed to go to movies when I made them uh, are now have seen those movies and come up to me with photographs. Little eight-year-old <laughs> kids come up with pictures from Ben Hur to sign. Wow! I, I did a couple of years ago when you had the, that contest to name. This oh book. yes, last year. Uh, last year. By the way, I was going to ask: Is was this the winning entry? Or? This in the arena is the winning entry. The, it is kind of an interesting story. I was writing, and I hadn't yet realized that I had to give up acting till I finished the book, which I did last year, one year ago. I still had about a quarter of the book to do then. And I was doing a play with my wife down in Dallas. Uh, we were doing love letters. And I was doing, you know, a talk show uh, like this. And they said, how's the book coming? Got a good title? And I said, well, I've got a title I like. Simon & Schuster has one they like, but we'll, we'll find a good title. We'll f it's, I said, a good title is very important. I said, I'd, I'd give money for a great title. And a talk show guy said, you're kidding. I said, no, I guess not. I'm not kidding. I'll give $1,000 for a good title that, that I take, my choice. We got over 100,000 entries. <laughs> you know, that's, what, $34,000 in postage, even at last year's stamp prices. <laughs> and we, it filled the whole tennis pavilion beside my tennis court, the, a whole big building. And we had to hire girls to come in and open them luckily for coming to a decision because i had to make that decision 90 percent really 90 percent of the entries either were plays on ben-hur ten commandments el seed soil and green or planet of the apes and i didn't want uh, about one movie or even about movies or even about plays i wanted about my whole life political activity plays my childhood everything 
And uh, fortunately, someone made a, submitted in the arena, which is from a speech by Theodore Roosevelt. One of my about favorite passages. Wonderful. Yeah. Yes. When he says, and it's true, he said, well, in essence, what you have to do is get up, brush the sand off your knees, wipe the blood and sweat off your face, and try it again. And uh, so I wrote him, never and sent him the money and the check. And I said, would you like to do some interviews? There's been a lot of interest about this. And he said, no, no. He said, uh, I'm glad to have the $1,000, and I'm glad you liked the title. But he said, I don't want to go on television. <laughs> so that's <laughs> it. So he's an anonymous guy in Virginia, in fact. How perceptive he was, though, yeah. because that's a the, great title. It really is a great title. A great title, and you open the book with a Theodore Roosevelt quote. Yeah, and, of course. And it is just, it, it is... It is so fitting of yeah. you. And the arena is what uh, the theater is, and movies, and the political activity I've had. Uh, those are all arenas. Where you, you probably wouldn't have liked my entry, Ben Him. Ben Him. <laughs> A lot of them, see, they, 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 or, or loved him, hated her. <laughs> or, or been there, done that. Uh, or holy Moses. You know, that. Hundreds of them. <laughs> Hundreds. Thousands. Probably, probably cause for some amusement uh, at the household. Oh, yeah. Well, a lot of them were sent in as joke entries, I think, with no thought of actually winning the, uh, the providing the, the real title. Well, there's always volume two to consider. Yeah. Right oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, in the end, is, did it turn out the way you hoped it would? Yes. I have to say it did. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm pleased with it. I said the other day on an interview I'm proud of it and Lydia happened to be there for that she said you shouldn't say that Chuck let other people say that but I'm pleased with it I said can I say that she said yes you can say that (laughs) (laughs) I I always have to ask this and I know it's always difficult but is there one film that you identify with most when you think of I know when we think of you we may think of Ben-Hur Ten Commandments Mm -hmm. uh, any of the other films the fine films that you mentioned but is there one when you think of your career that you think of well, the real, the uh, trick answer is, I don't know, I haven't done yet, I'm not finished yet, but uh, that's the joke answer. Um, I guess you, you like films for different reasons. The ones that uh, obviously made a lot of money are significant. You have to have one of those every so often, or you don't get any more toy trains to play with. <laughs> uh, and ones that win lots of awards are become prestigious, and that's nice too, of course. And sometimes they're the same picture. But uh, more important, perhaps, to me, given the fact that this has to happen, the other things have to happen, I like a part that has challenged me. For instance, say Ben-Hur, it's, he wasn't a real man. He was a fictional figure. And so I could use myself in first century Roman Judea and I I was familiar with the history of that period I'd done plays and films in that era before so that uh, my research was sort of done and I had William Wyler to direct it so you it's it's a good performance I'm proud of it I'm very proud of the picture but it is not wasn't that hard for me not the hard parts of the Shakespearean monsters those are the parts that'll cut you down to size that'll bring you to your knees bleeding in the sand every time <laughs> and that and Eugene O'Neill Eugene O'Neill yeah awfully <laughs> a not actor friendly writer great writer <laughs> the greatest American playwright not actor friendly <laughs> are there certain roles like that that you know that you I really like need playing. to do this, but oh, yes. it's going to be awfully tough. A long day's journey into night. I thought, oh boy, this is going to be work all the way. 
And uh, but I like um, I like Will Penny very much, a western. I mean, small western. I like uh, The Warlord, Fifty Five Days at Peking. Uh, I like El Cid, Soylent Green. I like mm-hmm. very much uh, for different reasons, you know. Uh, Do you care for Planet of the Apes? Yes, uh, not least because it was the first of the space operas. It really was. It started Star Trek and Star Wars and all those pictures. When they were when we were peddling it around, trying to get someone to make it, you know, this this picture hadn't been. This was that the studio heads would say, "What do you mean, talking monkeys, spaceships, Buck Rogers in the twenty fifth century? Get out of here! Go on, you're kidding." You know, it just didn't seem to be... It was Saturday matinee stuff. But I tell you, the impact of that scene with the Statue of Liberty oh, on yes, the shore was yes. such a powerful scene. Yeah, it was. that was Frank Schaffner's idea who directed it. And there's a... Uh, also, when I say, you finally did it, didn't you? You finally blew the whole thing up. God damn you, God damn you all to hell, too. And at that time, you couldn't say that on the screen. And I said to Dick Zanuck, who was running the studio, I said, Dick, Taylor is not swearing here. He's literally calling on God to damn the people who did this. And he said, that's pretty good. We can get by with that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the line is in there. <laughs> wow. But it's, it's a great ending. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a very good picture. Have you yeah. enjoyed dying in movies? Well, it, uh, it, they make great scenes. All actors love death scenes. Just uh, leading men were persuaded for a, long, for a long time that the audience wouldn't accept their dying. That's not true, of course. Audiences are often deeply touched. The seed's death uh, brings people to tears, you know. And, uh, I've, I've, and, of course, in the Shakespearean parts, you almost fated to die in the great parts. I, I do remember, I, I interviewed Rock Brinner once, and he remembered telling, I remember him telling me that he would go to the theater and watch his father in The King and I mm-hmm. die every night. Every night, yes. And he thought this was most extraordinary, that his father would keep dying. <laughs> and then be resurrected. And be resurrected the next resurrected, day. Yes. And to a small child, this must have been a, a, a most confusing time. Yes, that would be. Uh... I was uh, careful with both my children about when they saw my f- my films, and my daughter wasn't alive when El Cid was made, and it was very successful. And then a few years later, they reissued it in theaters, and she was eight by then. And I thought, this is she can see this now. So I said, honey, I want you to see this movie. I said, there's a lot of fighting and swords and things in it, uh, and I die in the end. But it's a very good movie. It's a love story, and you will you will like it, I think. So she sat through it, and uh, afterwards I said, What did you think, baby? She said, Oh, Daddy, it was wonderful. She said, You were beautiful then, weren't you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, children can come up with the best left-handed yes, compliments. Yes, indeed. <laughs> yeah, my four-year-old grandson... Uh, Jack, my son Fraser's son, wonderful little guy, just great kid. Uh, the other day we were roughhousing, and he was running down the hall and jumping down four steps to a marble uh, patio. And he said, "Come on, Ba." He calls me Ba. He says, "Come and jump down. We got to fight down here." And I said, "Jack, I don't know if my knees are up to jumping those four steps down to onto the marble." And he said, "Are you old, Ba?" And I said, "Yeah, Jack. I'm pretty old." And he patted my arm and he said, you're strong, though. 
<laughs> Charlton Heston died in 2008 at the age of 84. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, it's going to be the day before the New Hampshire primary. So, I'll be sharing with you an interview I did over 30 years ago with Eugene McCarthy. Eugene McCarthy, you may remember if you're old enough, actually finished second in the 1968 Democratic primary in New Hampshire, but that was enough to threw the whole race into chaos, and that's one of the things that you'll hear Eugene McCarthy talk about next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Thompson.